0: Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed
1: from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Check out our amazing offers on Xfinity Internet. You'll get fast speed and Wi-Fi coverage you can count on. Plus, get advanced security free with the XFi Gateway so you can keep the connected devices in your home protected from network threats. Just log in and activate through the Xfinity app. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply.
0: From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox Talk, delivering news, interviews,
1: analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson.
0: Thanks, Rob, and welcome to Sox Machine Live. I'm your host, Josh Nelson, and it's Wednesday night on April 24th, 2019, as we are streaming the show live on Mixler.com slash Sox On this episode, we'll preview the upcoming homestand in which the White Sox in their next 10 games will all be at home against the Detroit Tigers, the Baltimore Orioles, and the Boston Red Sox. We'll also talk about Vlad Guerrero Jr. making his Major League Baseball debut on Friday and the inevitable comparisons for the rest of the year between Vlad Jr. and Aloy. And Gio Gonzalez signs with the Milwaukee Brewers. I'll let you know how we'll tie that into the White Sox. Briefly, but first, we need to recap the series in Baltimore in which Monday's game was fun, but Tuesday and Wednesday, not so much. Joining me is the managing editor of SoxMachine.com. It's Jim Margulis. And hello, Jim. The White Sox record to date after the series in Baltimore against the Kansas City Royals, Detroit Tigers, and the Orioles uh, is now 5-7. and seven. They are 9-14 and 14 overall. And I bring this up, Jim, because these teams do not have the same level of talent as the White Sox, and yet the White Sox are still struggling against lesser teams. Any thoughts on why,
1: or do they? <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> I mean, that's uh, I, I I agree with you that the White Sox should be more talented. At least you know they hold the advantage on paper and name brand talent, and they're ahead in the rebuild and so forth. But when you keep losing series to teams that you're supposedly better than, are you better than them? Is your talent that better? Uh, at some point it has to show up and it's not. And I'm feeling good about my pick on the under for this whole stretch against rebuilding teams.
0: Yeah. Uh, so did I, right? I, I picked the under. No, I i am the idiot that picked 10 and six in these 16 games. I guess the good news is, is that one of those games got rained out. Uh, but That pretty much means right now where the White Sox are, which they are currently four and five, uh, I need them to win out (laughs) for my prediction uh, to be correct. And uh, for those that don't know, this is about – this was a question on Patreon in one of our episodes a couple weeks ago. We were asked on over under eight and a half wins for the White Sox, and there's 16 games against the Royals, Tigers, and Orioles. And Jim went with eight and eight and I went with ten and six.
1: No, I went with the Jeff Fisher, seven and oh, nine. Oh, that's
0: right, the Jeff Fisher. You went with the Jeff Fisher, seven and nine. Well you are sitting pretty right now, Jim.
1: Feeling feeling bad about feeling good or feeling good about feeling bad. One of the two.
0: Well, you know, this is the thing. I, I mentioned this on Twitter this morning, and I call them hashtag Hanbots because there are still Rick Han sympathizers within the White Sox. Fandom, and they still believe in his plan, and they still believe that the plan is going to work. But you mentioned that if you're not beating teams like the Orioles and the Royals and Tigers, who are all starting their rebuild phase, do you have better talent than them? And I I agree with you, that is a legit question. But for the White Sox fans that are still saying now, in the third year of the rebuild, that wins and losses do not matter depending on (laughs) circumstances right almost verbatim what Rick Khan says to the media all the time that if they're winning because of the veterans well those wins don't hold a lot of weight which I totally disagree with Rick Khan every win holds a lot of weight but getting to the point here if I mean do the results matter Jim do does in year three the rebuild does the win loss record matter
1: I think so. Um, Yeah, I think if you don't have talent or if you're relying on stopgap veterans to carry a lot of the weight that ends up in supposedly meaningless wins, then that's a problem with the roster. And that's a problem with, you know, having too many stopgap veterans that aren't, you know, part of a winning core or at least part of winning depth that's going to hang around for a while on an affordable basis. You know, that's, that's I think, a year three. That's kind of what you want is to kind of know where, you know, like uh, Nicky Delmonico when, when he came up or Daniel Polka when he had his big, you know, fun year. Like, you're hoping that any of these guys who pop up and surprise are going to hang around and at least be average for a few years and solidify position and make problems go away and allow the front office to concentrate on using their resources to really you know address problems that they don't have internal solutions for but the internal solutions are not really happening i mean tim anderson's there yohan Makata's there um what else do they have? Jose Abreu is going to be a free agent, so there's the, they have to confront that at the end of the year. Uh, pitching rotation is right now about two starters, hoping for three. Uh, you know, in, in year three, given how much talent they traded away to start the rebuild... The great contracts that they dealt to start it, you would expect year three to be looking better than this. So I, I do agree. I kind of get what that's going for when you say that you know veterans leading to wins, or at least you know like if yonder Alonso is coming up with game winning hits, for Irvin Santana throws a great start, and Lucas Giolito isn't, that has you know that really doesn't mean much. But when you're punting or or not punting away games, but you're dropping fumbling away games to lesser teams and you have a lot of this core that's supposed to be up ready and it's not getting the job done. And the trades for players like Yvonne Nova aren't, uh, you know, reflecting well on the pro scouting department, then, you know, what do you have three years in and, and uh, why isn't this working even just a little bit faster?
0: Okay. So right now on the white Sox current 25 man roster, I just jotted this down on my notepad. I think there are seven players worthy of if this rebuild is going to work and be on the next contending team. Anderson, Mikata, Aloy, Gilito, Lopez, Rodon, and I'm going to throw Jace Fry because I think Jace Fry is starting to turn a corner here. And I, I do believe in his stuff. And then you have your question marks, like Michael Kopach. We won't see him this year. Dylan Cease, who knows when we'll see him. Uh, if you believe in Zach Collins, his numbers at AAA. Uh, Luis Robert, if he ever plays again. Uh, and Nick Magical, if you still believe in his ability to rise up through the White Sox system and be the starting second baseman in the very new future. So I counted seven guys currently, another five guys that are question marks, maybes, hoping, dreaming on. That's 12 guys. Where are the other 13 players,
1: 13-plus players, coming from? No, that's a very good question. I think if you have, I would say... I think you have to feel good at about 15 to make it, you know, whether it's, you know, stars or guys who can stand in and give you an average season from a position to really feel good about the internal depth.
0: When I did this research last year for a Sabre meeting, the local chapter in Chicago, I noticed for the White Sox playoff teams with the exception of 2005, that those playoff teams in 83, 93, 2000, 2008, had seven players worth at least three wins above replacement. Seven. The 2005 team had 12 players that were worth at least two wins above replacement. So my question stands for those that are still believing in the rebuild. On Not only were you going to find 13 guys to build a competitive team, but where are you going to find seven three-win players with who they currently have right now? And in the near future. That's why I think the wins and losses matter. I, that's why I think the results matter. It matters that the veterans are playing well. It matters that these veterans that they've got. As far as like Yonder Alonso and Herrera and Colome and Santana and Nova. Uh, that they all perform well. And it leads to results. It leads to wins. Because they're going to need help. It can't just be on all of these prospects that we all fall in love with and dream about, we've been dreaming about for three years. Uh, It's not enough. When you write it down on paper, it's not enough. And I think in this series, I know it's just three games, but I think this series magnifies a lot of holes that are currently going on with this rebuild. And you look down in the minor leagues, and Jim, you're writing minor league reports every single day for Sox Machine. Uh, It looks sparse right now. And I could understand if White Sox fans are starting to jump off the boat when it comes
1: to this rebuild. I mean, is that fair to say? Am I out of line? Uh, no, I mean, like, it's April, and, you know, I really wouldn't judge, I guess, momentums of minor league seasons and prospect progress till, like, maybe the middle of May or late May. You know, give them a month or so to figure out a new level. Like, in the case of Birmingham, you have a bunch of guys playing in a double-A for the first time. I'd give them, you know, a month or two to... Uh, see what their sea legs are and see if they're ultimately capable of uh, treading water or if they have to go back down to winston-salem so in that case yeah i wouldn't give up on them just because they're having a rough first uh, three weeks of their exposure to double a but yeah the, the big picture is lacking right now i think that's fair and i think yeah the weird thing with this rebuild is i can see seven three-win players but just the lack of adequacy elsewhere that's troubling and when you have like yeah and i mentioned nova even though he's only around for one year and the white Sox only traded yordi rosario to get him uh, the fact that he's pitching so poorly just reflects well. Uh, it reflects poorly on White Sox pro scouting, which was really the thing that sunk the first rebuild. Inability to find players from the outside, uh, trades didn't work, uh, signings didn't work, uh, and that's really what you know. I think has defined the central more than anything the last. You know, I would say five, ten years, or in, during the White Sox playoff drought, is that teams like, yeah, especially the Tigers, really good at finding veterans plugging into their system and getting average career seasons out of them? With the White Sox, they would get guys who come in and have their they would forget how to play baseball. You know, Adam Dunn, Alex Rios, Jeff Kepinger, uh, Adam LaRoche. You know, just going down the line of just guys who came in and just forgot exactly what they were supposed to be doing there in the first place. And when you have a guy like Nova come in and and have an ADRA in his first five starts, you know, know, maybe Yonder Alonso is weird because he was part of this recruiting effort to get Manny Machado and that didn't work. So Alonso is just this weird vestigial piece on the roster. But Nova was brought in with intent. And when the intent backfires like this, and I'll give him some time to straighten out, but I mean, like the way it's starting, it just brings to mind that the White Sox, you know, if they have to go outside the organization to fill in the roster, they weren't good at that the last time and the same front office is there. Yeah, and, you know, with Nova, he was a one war pitcher
0: last year, two years ago in 2017 for the Pirates. He was a two wins above replacement pitcher. But, you know, he's so far off that right now on, on what the White Sox are trying to achieve by trading for him and hoping that he'd be better than James Shields. You know, you talk about pro scouting. We, we did get this question on Twitter earlier this week uh, for Matt Hinckley And Matt was asking about this. Uh, He asked yesterday, you know, going back to the first Nick Swisher trade, the White Sox major league scouting has been bad. Is this from loyalty being prized over results or not using advanced analytics to cross check scouting reports or both? And I bring this up and I mentioned Gio Gonzalez at the the intro Gio, Gio Gonzalez when he signed with the Yankees before opening day told the media that the New York Yankees were the only team, the only team to make an offer to Gonzalez. And if you were listening to this show during the off season and during spring training, I think we stumped for the White Sox to sign Gio Gonzalez multiple times before they decided on Irving Santana, which I didn't even know was even a possibility. And the White Sox, their deal with Santana was a minor league option, but I think we all knew what the reality was is that if he was healthy, he would be the fifth starter, and the White Sox paid 4.3 million dollars to Santana to be that fifth starter. Today, Gio Gonzalez, after opting out with the Yankees, has now signed with the Milwaukee Brewers for two million dollars. So it also so it, I not only is it the scouting gym, and, and you know, to Matt's question, uh, is it the loyalty to the scouts and to the front office, or are they bad at using advanced analytics? Uh, I also, I think it brings up the question, are they also bad at spending money, even the very little amount that they do spend?
1: No, I would say probably loyalty first, just because, you know, in in most cases, a 10-year postseason drought would have led to the front office getting fired and a massive turnover where you do get a, yeah, at least in most cases, a newer front office that has different ideas on how to evaluate players and does overhaul the analytics staff and and scouting staff and, and I guess the information management from both of those. Uh, I think the White Sox did try and maybe have tried over the last couple of years to add more analytics into their approach, but I think it's, it's kind of like trying to fix an aftermarket product, um, when when the internal components are underperforming or maybe just overwhelmed or obsolete you know it's hard to to staple on uh things and 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 try to pretend it's as capable as like a team like the Astros or a team like the Brewers you know uh, to did another team that uh, you know overhauled their front office or the Rays you know that then make a lot out of a little so i think you know it stems from the loyalty just because the loyalty from the very top on down just prevents I think, any greater changes from either happening or, uh, I, I guess, yeah, I would just say happening, Just whether it's because somebody's fired or just because um, the, just the natural forces of baseball and the, and the way the business is going and the way teams are evolving, just uh, you, you can't have that ground-up approach when you have the top, uh, I guess, dictating everything and keeping all the people up top in place.
0: Now, we may sound like idiots next week, when we do Sox Machine Live, if the White Sox win the next six games. Uh, But I'm not very confident that they're going to win six straight. Uh, And even if they did, I'm sure the Boston Red Sox would bring the White Sox back to reality for that four-game weekend series in early May that concludes a 10-game homestand. Uh, It's just, you know, now I'm getting questions on when do the White Sox DFA Irving Santana when do they get rid of Yvonne Nova and you know when can they call up Dylan Cease Dylan Cease is better than these two guys why aren't they pitching Dylan Cease now instead of Nova and Santana and I, I don't know Jim I don't have a good answer for them I, I don't have a good logical answer and why White Sox fans should wait and be patient to see better prospects who are laying in wait because of service time or needing to check off boxes or whatever when the veteran guys the dumpster diving attempts are playing like trash on the field
1: <laughs> yeah no it's well we talked about before it ceased, that um you know probably mid-may when you get past the First month in the, I guess, the dead-arm period that pitchers talk about after the spring training adrenaline wears off and they get into the groove of the season. Once the International League gets a few looks at them, you know and ultimately sees if they can ever adjust or if Cease is truly too good for the level you know then i imagine mid-may to late may be when you know for sure but then as we saw with Kopeck, we, we've seen them drag their feet as we've seen with alloy uh, they'll drag their feet all the way to the end of the season and try to compel him to sign a contract extension before even has you know, his first day of service time you know it seems like i would anticipate them you know really slow playing cease and so that would come to you know getting the longest possible chances for at least you know nova and, and santana probably still has a few more opportunities given the way he settles down after early problems the way like shields did and the way lucas giolito did last year they seem to have some tolerance when at least there's progress at the end of start but i'm just reading the white Sox twitter account and uh they sound up their uh their loss to the orioles with james mccann turns in three hit performance in road trip finale whoo yeah,
0: I was, I was actually just going to mention that if you're looking for a silver lining, James McCann had a good series.
1: Yeah, Jose but then Bray, he... had
0: seven RBIs in the series.
1: Yeah, but then McCann chased a slider way out of the zone with the runner on third. Yeah, you know, tying runner on third, just
0: I know it yeah. sucks, but
1: but he had three hits. I can't yep. believe
0: I'm defending James McCann at the moment. Oh no,
1: I just like the way that the White Sox spun it. Just oh, it's okay. I mean, didn't you see the NBC Sports
0: Chicago headline yesterday? Was pretty much can sum it up as yes, the pitching sucks, but there's really no other options at the moment. (laughs) Woo! Yeah, let's get pumped up. Yes. I love watching bad starting pitching. No, and like I said, maybe things will change, and you know, maybe the White Sox win the next six games, and the next time we have Sox Machine Live, we're idiots and we're like, oh my gosh, the White Sox are 15 and 14. They finally turned it around. Uh, but again, I, am just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not very confident in that we're going to be previewing the Tiger series here in a moment. Uh, but offensively, I mean, game one, I really thought that was going to be a good omen of the, for the next two games of what this series could be. The White Sox just completely blow out the Baltimore Orioles like they should, because they're way better than them. Um, uh, but in games two and three combined, uh, they only score four runs. And I can't really, you know, put a finger on why the offense struggled so much against Baltimore, who has the worst, who had the worst ERA before this series. Was there anything that you noticed, Jim, in games two and three on the White Sox offensive struggles?
1: Well, you know, part of it is, well, I, I guess, uh, Today's start, tonight's start. Uh, John Means, the classic lefty changeup artist that uh, the White Sox couldn't track, and that's kind of goes back years. Uh, sometimes you know, I guess a little bit overblown, but there's a reason why it's a it's a trope that the White Sox can't hit a lefty with it with even a decent changeup, and and that certainly played out. Um, you know, part of it was you know the Orioles did play good defense. They tightened up their defense, especially the second game with uh, Andrew Kashner on the mound. They did hit some balls hard uh you know adam Engel getting robbed of a homer uh, uh jose abreu getting robbed of a double with runners on base they got traffic on you know the second game was more a matter i think of just having good at bats with runners and scoring position runners on base and just having bad luck or you know tipping your hat to a good play in the field i think you know there and the game baltimore played in the second game that's a game where the way, you know, Ivan Nova's start aside, you say like, well, you know, it wasn't necessarily a bad approach, just that's the way the game broke down. But yeah, this this game, you know, with John Means and, and you know, part of it's like you got hitters like Jose Rondon, you know, chasing fastballs high on the zone because he's going to be aggressive. He's going to strike out a lot. He's going to have an OBP of 290. And when you have guys like him and Adam Engel in the same lineup, Wellington Castillo having a really rough start to his season. I guess the good thing is that you have, you know, Mancata, Abreu, Anderson all hitting, but then around them, Leary's been okay in his weird leadoff role, but uh, that's top four. Cordell's been half there, but uh, yeah, otherwise it's just half a lineup that is not performing well, and if a pitcher, you know, like in the case where you had Abreu and, uh, knocking in Anderson, but then you don't have anything after Abreu, and just you had to settle for a run. I, I think that's the, uh, that's really the tough part right now with this lineup, and, and Hopefully, I think the White Sox are hoping when Eloy comes back from the bereavement list and settles in that that's going to be the fifth hitter that the lineup lacks right now. And when you have, you know, Moncada and Abreu and, and Anderson Jimenez, if they're all above average, then that's at least a lineup that can score four or five runs a game. It's just when you have these sub-300 Sub 200 on base percentages at the back of the order, and the game <laughs> seems to find them. Uh, that's been really tough to you know have any kind of semblance of a consistent offense. Uh, this uh, uh, I would like to see maybe more opportunities from McCann, but as I wrote uh, in the Ivan Nova post that. McCann has, uh, you know, he's been mediocre with the Tigers, and part of it I wondered is if they ran him out 110 games because they had nobody else and they just overexposed him. And maybe he's better off as a backup catcher, so you don't want to put him in the same trap that he fell into at the Tigers if that's the case. But, yeah, I mean, he's been he's showing some signs of life. Castillo hasn't. And maybe that's one thing you do to add another bat to the lineup. But, yeah, it's just uh, very lopsided. And, you know, when Anderson has a bad game or Makata has a bad game, there's nobody there to pick him up.
0: Well, the White Sox, according to fan graphs, are still projected to finish sixty nine and ninety three which would now be fourth place in the American League Central, as Detroit is now projected to finish seventy two and ninety that's a big win jump for the Detroit Tigers so far early in twenty nineteen Kansas City is projected to be sixty seven and ninety five Meanwhile Baltimore is now projected to be sixty one and hundred and one with the worst record. In Major League Baseball, but I think they won what 47 games last year, so a 14 win increase. If they can match that with the roster that they have and have the number one pick next year, along with having the number one pick in June, yeah, you can feel pretty good. If you're a Baltimore Orioles fan, then maybe uh, the rebuild for them will get kick started. But again, this is why it's important for the White Sox to beat up on these three teams because they are behind on the rebuild curve for the White Sox. And if the White Sox can't beat them with the talent that's already in Chicago while these three teams wait for their better talents to join them, man, uh, it's bad. It's bad. So let's go ahead and move forward as the White Sox again have a 10-game homestand starting on Friday against the Detroit Tigers. But before we preview that series, a quick word from our sponsor, SeatGeek. SeatGeek. And if you need tickets for this weekend, or if you need tickets for anything like concerts, other sporting events, theater shows, etc., make sure to check out our sponsor SeatGeek. For a long time, buying tickets has been really difficult and annoying with a few big companies who don't really care about the customer. Well, SeatGeek is a ticket company where the customer comes first. With more than 50,000 five-star reviews in the App Store, SeatGeek is focused on making your experience as easy as possible. SeatGeek pulls in millions of tickets from all over the web. They rate each one on a scale of one to 10 and displays them on an interactive seat map. So it's simple to find what you're looking for. The green dots are great deals. Red dots are overpriced. Plus every purchase is fully guaranteed. So you can shop for tickets with confidence. And I use SeatGeek all the time. As a matter of fact, in July, me and my buddies were going to Portland and woo, I'm going to an MLS game because the Portland Timbers always sell out. I hear great things. It's a lot of fun. And I use SeatGeek to buy eight tickets, so it doesn't matter if you're buying a ticket for yourself or you need tickets for a big group, SeatGeek is an excellent choice to buy tickets from. And best of all, Sox Machine listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase as SeatGeek helps support this show, so we hope you guys support them as well. So this is what you can do to get $10 off. Use our promo code SOXMACHINE for $10 off your first purchase, and again, you can use that for anything, concert tickets, sports, comedy, whatever you need tickets for. And remember, that's promo code machine for $10 off your first purchase on SeatGeek. And now, previewing the upcoming series against the Detroit Tigers, in which the Tigers played pretty well in Boston this weekend. Uh, as we are streaming this live, they were entering the ninth inning down by three uh, against the Red Sox, and I believe that game has been completed, so the Detroit Tigers, yes, the Detroit Tigers ended up losing eleven to four. Wow, that got way out of hand very late. Uh, the Detroit Tigers are twelve and eleven on the season. But here's a stat for you, Jim. We just talked about the White Sox being five and seven against the Tigers, Royals, and Orioles. Mm-hmm. The Tigers are nine and three against teams below five hundred. They are taking care of business against the bad teams. Against good teams. They are three and eight, but that is to be expected for a rebuilding team. And I find that to be pretty interesting. Now for the pitching probables in this series, if you remember Daniel Norris shutting down the Chicago White Sox in his last start, well, good news. We're going to see him again on Friday, but it'll be Carlos Ron this time on the hill for the White Sox. And Carlos has been terrific for the White Sox this year. He's three and two with a 2.89 ERA. On Saturday and Sunday, the Tigers don't have their pitching matchups uh, set right now. They are both to be uh, to be determined, so check out SoxMachine.com once we know more on who will be those starters for the Tigers. Uh, but Saturday is a 6.10 p.m. Central Time game, Saturday night. It'll be Ronaldo Lopez for the White Sox. And on Sunday at 1.10, right now it is scheduled to be Manny Benuelos. This would have been Lucas Giolito, uh, but Lucas Giolito is still rehabbing his hamstring injury. And I know you mentioned Eloy Jimenez earlier in the show, and we're hoping that Jimenez is going to be back after missing the Baltimore series again, due to the, due to the death of his grandmother, other than hoping to see Aloy again in the lineup. What else are you looking for from the White Sox in this series, Jen?
1: Well, Daniel Norris is a good case. Uh, I guess going back to what we were saying about John means and how your know, lefties with change-ups uh, gave him fits and, and, and Norris gave the White Sox fits. Uh, and, and Norris over his career has, has really posed the White Sox some problems, even if, you know, and, and more so than the rest of the league. You know, his numbers against the White Sox are superior to the rest of his body of work. So that's the kind of thing we're facing him twice, you know, in, in a short amount of time. You would expect them to have better at-bats and to not look so overmatched early. And, and hopefully the advanced scouting reports are fresh in their minds from what they just saw with their own eyes. They, maybe they don't even need scouting reports. And, you know, we've been harping on this and for good reason about their issues with the first time through and and struggling to get their offense going into the middle innings. This would be the case where, you know, Norris isn't as good as he looked against the Sox, or at least, you know, hasn't shown that. And two times in in like seven days and just getting, you know, all those at-bats lined up against them they should be able to do something <laughs> if they're, uh, you know, any, yeah, you know, if they're a team that has a respectable offense, even a respectable, like half of an offense, they should be able to put up a better fight than it, it than they did the last time. So that's, I guess what I'm looking for specifically based on, you know, we don't exactly know how they're going to run out the rotation, but yeah, uh, I would just like to see Eloy come back and look refreshed. He looked a little bit roughed up both in the field and at the plate, just uh, a little bit punch drunk there in the outfield and hopefully comes back and, and looks, uh, you know, more like he did in, in, in the end of the Yankees series where uh, the power was coming to him. Even Comerica, he had that opposite field homer, just that little stretch there where it looked like his power was coming together. Really like to see that from him. And also Abreu maintaining his offensive performance against Baltimore and against a pitching staff that's only slightly better.
0: Yes, I mean, as far as the bullpen or the starting, I think Tiger starters are better than Baltimore's.
1: Oh yeah, I mean okay. the bullpen. I mean, yeah, on the whole, like the pitchers he'll face over the course of the... Weekend will be a little bit better, but there will be some some pitchers you can take advantage of.
0: Yes, hopefully the White Sox do take advantage of these pitchers uh, in this series against the Tigers. Again, this is starting a ten game home stand, so it'd be nice if the White Sox played some good baseball in front of their fans. And if Elo Jimenez comes back this series. Also making his debut on Friday. Just announced major Major League Baseball news. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is finally arriving. He'll be with the Toronto Blue Jays on Friday. So what does this mean? It means moving from here on out when it comes to the American League Rookie of the Year race and pretty much the rest of their careers with all the hype that has been surrounding Aloy and Vlad Jr., Uh, ever since they've signed on and they've been showing up in top 100 prospect lists, uh, that these two are going to be compared. And are you ready, Jim, to start comparing Aloy and Vlad? Or is it too early because Aloy had the head start on Vlad Jr. And Vlad Jr. may need a grace period to get accustomed to Major League Pitching.
1: Well, you know, right now, Eloy is the one who needs the the grace period. And and it's unfortunate just because, you know, the White Sox could have really used, you know, like Juan Soto hitting the scene or Ronald Acuna, uh, the way he basically hit the ground running and and Tatis in San Diego. Just these uh, bats that come up and hitters, you know, pitchers can't get them out. uh, and, And even after forming a book, the adjustment period really isn't that uh drastic and they're a scourge to major league pitching for years to come Eloy, his curve has taken a bit longer and perhaps because he's never struggled and because maybe um uh, even then i just think that it's probably just uh getting a little bit thrown out of sorts early and and struggling to to regain his footing but right now i think Eloy is the one that uh, has to catch up to the rest of the group and guerrero could maybe find himself in the same same boat but i think you know, everything they said about Eloy in the miners, Guerrero is just a notch ahead of him. Like there's nobody who ranked Jimenez ahead of Guerrero, just feel for hitting, powered all fields, just everything. Guerrero is just a little bit better. So uh, you know, should that hold true, then maybe Eloy will be playing catch up. But, you know, as I mentioned with the double A prospects, you know, say so I guess the same thing holds for Jimenez, that, you know, first first month, month and a half new level, you know, let them field out and don't get too worked up about what they're doing or what they're not doing. But then after that, uh, you'd think it'd be go time at that point.
0: Yeah. The White Sox and Blue Jays play their season series in the month of May. The White Sox head to Toronto, May 10th to 12th. And then the Blue Jays come to Chicago for a four game series for May 16th through the 19th. So that will be a storyline as hopefully we get seven more games of Aloy against Vlad Jr. And hopefully they are all very entertaining and give us something else to talk about other than the state of the current white Sox rebuild. And with that being said, that concludes this edition of Sox machine live. Thank you to everyone that listened to the live stream on mixer.com slash Sox machine. If you don't get an opportunity to listen to the live stream, no worries. The show is uploaded into the podcast feed the very next day. And if you just discovered the Sox Machine podcast, you can subscribe to the show via iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and, of course, audioboom.com slash Sox Machine. Sox Machine Live is a production of SoxMachine.com, your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball. Alongside Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening.